Hopefully you brought a Bible with you and you would turn, if you would please, to the Gospel of Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. I'm glad you've chosen to worship with us today, uh, if you're part of our church family, but also if you're not part of our church family, you're just visiting with us, maybe you're visiting on your own or with friends or with family, I want to offer a special welcome to you and a special Merry Christmas to you and say that I'm really glad that you're here. Um, Today we celebrate the birth of our Lord, our Savior, King Jesus. If you've been with us for the past few weeks, we've been in a sermon series called Christmas According to Luke, looking in chapters 1 and 2 at the events that surround his arrival. And today we're actually jumping a little bit after his arrival, and we'll talk about that in one moment. But today we're going to be reading from Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 22. And uh, before I referred to Jesus Christ, if you heard me as I was talking to the kids, as Christ the Word made flesh. When we hear from the Word of God, we are hearing from Jesus Christ. And that's not because I'm saying it, that's just because this is Jesus Christ, the Word. Jesus Christ came down to earth and is the Word made flesh. He is the fulfillment of all of God's Word, which points to him and is about him and rejoices in him. So what we're about to do right now in reading God's Word is important because we are hearing from not just Pastor Peter, but from the Lord Christ. And so in honor of that, I would like to ask you, if you're physically able, would you please stand in honor of the reading of God's Holy Word And you can join me in reading along silently as I read aloud Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 22. This is what the Word of God says. And when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought Jesus brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. This is God's holy word. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. You may be seated. So as I shared by way of introduction, I'll just recap. We've been spending the last, this season of Advent, the last several Sundays in the gospel of Luke, looking at the different events that surround Christ's entrance into the world, the word made flesh dwelling among us. Some of what we looked at happened before Jesus' birth, right? We looked at the announcement of Jesus' coming to Zechariah, to Mary, to Elizabeth, all happening before his birth. Last week, we looked at something that happened right at the time of Christ's birth, and that was the announcement to the shepherds and their subsequent visit and their leaving and rejoicing and glorifying God. Today, we're jumping actually after Christmas. I know this is the fourth Sunday of Advent. I know it's Christmas Eve, but for the purposes of our biblical understanding today, we're actually jumping 
after Christmas. And that's an important thing for us to realize that we're jumping actually quite a bit after Christmas, about 40 days. If you look in your Bibles in Luke chapter 2, you'll see in verse 21, which is the verse right before the beginning of what I just read, it says, and at the end of eight days when he, Jesus, was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. That's verse 21. Then in verse 22, it says, and when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses. So you, it seems like this might have been just immediately afterwards, but that's actually not true. If you look at verse 21, it says that this, Jesus was circumcised according to the law of Moses on the eighth day. But the time that would come for their purification would have actually been 32 days later. So we're talking 40 days into Jesus' earthly life. Jesus is 40 days old at this time. And what I want you to do is I want you to keep your finger in Luke chapter 2 and flip back to Leviticus chapter 12 because I think there's some important things that I want you to see from what was going on here according to the law of Moses. So keep your finger in Luke 2 and flip back to Leviticus chapter 12 if you would. And let me read to you beginning in verse 1, where it says, The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the people of Israel, saying, If a woman conceives and bears a male child, which Mary did, then she shall be unclean seven days. As at the time of her menstruation, she shall be unclean. And on the eighth day, the flesh of his foreskin shall be circumcised, which we read about happened in verse 21 of Luke 12. Then she shall continue for 33 days in the blood of her purifying. She shall not touch anything holy, nor come into the sanctuary until the days of her purifying are completed. So you see, what's happening here is, if you do the math, she's uh, unclean for seven days, okay? And then there's a 33-day purification period. So seven plus 33 is 40. And then the woman who gave birth to a male child is allowed back into the temple. That's what we're looking at in Luke chapter 12. She is coming back into the temple, and it says in Luke chapter 12, when the days of their purification, but it's really her purification. She's coming back into the temple for the first time after 40 days, when Jesus is now a 40-day-year-old baby, and her and Jesus and, and, and Joseph are coming back into the temple after 40 days. Why are they going there? Well, there's two reasons that they're going there, okay? And one of which is to present Jesus, okay? And if you see in Luke 12, which is what we read originally, uh, it says uh, in verse 23, as it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. So what Mary and Joseph are doing are being obedient, godly parents in bringing their child to dedicate him to the Lord. And you could read it. We're not going to read about that today, but that's in Exodus chapter 13. They're dedicating and uh, consecrating, separating, if you will, Jesus, uh, not because he's the Savior, but just because he is their firstborn child, because he is their firstborn male child, and they're being obedient to the Word of God. That's one of the reasons that they're going. But that's not the only reason that they're going, and I want you to see, this is what I mean by flipping back from Luke 2 to Leviticus 12, is a very little small statement in Luke chapter, 12, uh, Luke chapter 2 in verse 24. It says, and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. See, the reason for Mary going to the temple with Joseph and Jesus was twofold. 
One was to present Jesus, to separate him uh, from, and to consecrate him as unto the Lord because he was their firstborn child. But that's not the only thing that brought them to the temple that day. A sacrifice also had to be made. Verse 24 in Luke chapter 2 says, To offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And that one verse is uh, packed full with a lot of important stuff for us to understand. And if you look in Leviticus 12, which is what we were looking at before, uh, and you look at verse 6, you'll see this outlined. Leviticus 12 and verse 6 says this, And when the days of your purifying are completed, whether for a son or for a daughter, it doesn't matter, verse 6 in Leviticus 12, she shall bring to the priest at the entrance of the tent of meeting a lamb a year old for a burnt offering and a pigeon or a turtle dove for a sin offering. And he shall offer it before the Lord and make atonement for her. Then she shall be clean from the flow of her blood. This is the law for her who bears a child, either male or female. So you can see outlined here is that at the end of the days of her purification, she's to come and make a sacrifice, but that's not for her child, that's for her. She's to make a sacrifice, and she's supposed to bring, as it says here in the law of Moses in Leviticus chapter 12, verse 6, she's supposed to bring to the tent of meeting a lamb a year old for a burnt offering and a pigeon or a turtle dove for a sin offering. Now, if you were paying attention in Luke chapter 2, you'll realize she doesn't bring a lamb. She just brings two birds. So is she being disobedient in doing that? No. Because if you look at verse 8 in Leviticus 12, it says this, and if she cannot afford a lamb, then she shall take two turtle doves or two pigeons, one for a burnt offering and the other for a sin offering, and the priest shall make atonement for her, and she shall be clean. So picture this. The law of Moses says she needs to bring a lamb. She needs to bring a lamb so that her, this sacrifice can be complete. She needs to bring a lamb and a pigeon or a turtle dove. But then the law of Moses makes allowance for her if she cannot afford a lamb to bring in two birds, and one of them will serve as a burnt offering, and another one of them will serve as a sin offering. It's kind of like a plan B, okay? So, so God says, it's still good. I want you to bring a lamb, but if you can't afford a lamb then you could bring these two birds because those are cheaper and I will recognize that as your uh, sacrifice. God has another plan for someone who can't afford a lamb. Now, we shouldn't be surprised that Mary and Joseph couldn't afford a lamb, right? Very, very young, newly married, had an unplanned pregnancy that God gave to them. And the child is not Joseph's but is God's and is Mary's. They weren't ready to buy a lamb. They didn't have the money to buy a lamb. The fact that they showed up with just two birds to the temple reminds us of just how young and how fragile and how impoverished they probably were at that time. But here's the thing. It didn't really matter whether or not Mary brought in birds or a lamb. 
The fact of the matter is nothing she did or could do could completely, once and for all, atone for her sins, which is why it had to be done over and over and over again. So this whole process, this whole ritual that Mary is going through, that pregnant women or mothers at that time went through, was going to be, have to repeat, be repeated over and over and over again. When we read in the Gospels, we know that Jesus Christ had siblings. We read about that in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 13, that he had brothers and sisters. That means that Mary would have done this each and every time. It's no one sacrifice for all. No, 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 no. Have a baby, seven days unclean, 33 days of purification, come back to the temple. Have a baby, seven days unclean, 33 days purification, come back to the temple. It had to be done over and over and over again. So it really didn't matter whether she brought a lamb or two birds. She was going to be doing this again. Why? Because this sacrificial system was pointing to something greater than it was in and of itself. It's pointing, it's a sign pointing to her need. It's a sign pointing to the fact that she needs a savior. And the fact that it had to be done over and over again is a subtle reminder to all people at that time that this is good, but this is not great. And this is ultimately not good enough. And I bring this up to remind you and to remind me of this. As I was preparing for this message, this is what the Lord laid on my heart. You and I are a lot more like Mary than maybe we realize. And you know why that is? Because we can't afford a lamb. We can't afford that which is required of us. We, we can't pay for our own sins. You can't afford a lamb. You can't afford atonement. You can't make right what has been made wrong just by yourself. You, you can't just commit to not sinning enough or just to, to do the right thing enough or to think the right things or, or anything because the problem that we have is deeper than our behavior. It has to do with our hearts and our minds. We're not sinners because we sin. We sin because we're sinners. We're sinners by nature and therefore we're sinners by choice. And we can't afford a lamb. We can't buy our way out of it. We can't act our way out of it. We can't 12-step our way out of it. We can't do anything on our way uh, in living this life to get ourselves into a right standing with God. We can't afford the lamb. We can't do anything to erase our sinful past or handle the sins of our present or even handle the sins of our future. Why? Because we can't afford to pay the price that is owed for our sin. The Bible says uh, that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord, Romans 6 and verse 23. But, but get this, picture this, you and I are a lot more like Mary than we may realize. We can't afford the lamb that would be required. Mary can't afford a lamb, so she does what she needs to do, and she brings in those two birds. But I have to wonder, did she realize, do you know where I'm going? That she was carrying in her arms, not the two birds, but the lamb. The one lamb that would be sacrificed for sin, for sinners like you and for sinners like me, and would never have to be sacrificed again.
did she realize that as she entered that temple that day with two birds, thinking we got to bring the birds because we can't afford the lamb, did it cross her mind that that which she could not afford, she had been freely given and could bring into the temple that day? And although he would not be sacrificed on that day, he would be sacrificed 30 some odd years later for sinners like her, like you, and like me. Because just like Mary, you can't afford the lamb. You can't buy your way out of this. I can't either. But God gave Mary the lamb that was needed for her sin and your sin, and my sin. God provided one in Christ, and that's what Christmas is all about. The lamb you couldn't bring on your own has been bought and brought and delivered and sacrificed for you and for me once and for all. You can't afford the lamb that was necessary, but Christmas reminds us that God is the greatest gift giver ever in giving us his son. Not just a lamb, but the one and only final lamb who would be sacrificed, not not repeatedly, but once. Hebrews chapter 10, verse, verse 8. When he said above, you have neither desired nor taken pleasure in sacrifices and offerings and burnt offerings and sin offerings... Then he added, behold, I have come to do your will. He, Jesus Christ, does away with the first in order to establish the second. Get this, verse 10, Hebrews 10, verse 10. And by that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ, listen, once for all. Through the offering of Jesus Christ, once for all. Not repeatedly, not over and over and over again, but that Jesus Christ would come into this world and be sacrificed once for all. Going on in verse 11, every priest stands daily at his service offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. You and I are like Mary in that we can't afford the lamb. But God calls out to us, just like he did in Isaiah 55, come everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and he who has no money, come Buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Incline your ear and come to me. Hear that your soul may live and I will make with you an everlasting covenant. My steadfast, sure love for David. This is God's word. God calling out to his people saying, come and buy. It doesn't matter that you don't have the money. Come and buy. It doesn't matter that you're not worthy. Come and buy. It doesn't matter that you can't afford the lamb. I will make this covenant with you. Come, all those who are thirsty. Come, all those who are hungry. You can't afford the lamb, but God has provided one for you and for me anyway. We are like Mary. We can't afford salvation. We can't afford the sacrifice. But God has given us the lamb, not just a lamb, the lamb who paid with his life for sinners like you and like me. 2 Corinthians 9 and 15. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. 
But if you look in Luke chapter 2, and you look at verse 25, there's another character that I want to call our attention to. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. We don't know much about him except that it says, and this man was righteous and devout. Righteous means he was a believer. He was saved. Uh, He had received God's righteousness uh, imputed to him because of the faith that he had in God. He was a believer. That's what that word means as righteous. It's the same word that says that Jesus is going to separate the righteous from the unrighteous uh, when he returns. Simeon was righteous and devout, verse 25. Righteous and devout, meaning he strived to live a life that was pleasing to God. Uh, he, He feared the Lord in such a way that he wanted to please him in every way of his life. And it says here, he was righteous and devout, verse 25, he was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. So he was waiting for the Savior. He was looking for the Savior. He was looking for Israel, for the people of Israel to be redeemed by Jesus Christ, by the Savior. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And verse 26 is very interesting. It had been revealed to him, Simeon, by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So he had this uh, promise made to him that he was not going to die before he had seen the Savior. Okay, so each and every day... This is just the way I picture it. Each and every day that Simeon woke up and didn't see the Savior, he knew he wasn't going to die. Right? One more day, I'm not going to die. How do I know? Didn't see the Savior. And I'm walking, walking around knowing I'm not going to die because he hadn't seen the Savior. Now, enter Mary, Joseph, and Jesus into the temple. And all of a sudden, he realizes, the Holy Spirit impresses upon him, this is it. That's him. That's the Savior. He takes Jesus in his arms. And the first thing he says in verse 30 is this. Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace. I mean, one might think this might be a very sobering time for him. Because now the clock is ticking. Because now he saw Jesus. Now he's like, well, it's only a matter of time now. Now I know I'm going to die. But he wasn't looking to die. But he was ready. Now you're letting your servant depart in peace. I've seen the Christ. He's not hoping to die. Oh, I can't wait to die. But he says, now I'm ready. I can depart in peace. Why? Verse 30. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and for glory to your people, Israel. Simeon says, now I can die. I am ready. I can depart in peace. Why? Because I have encountered Jesus Christ. So the question is this. On this Merry Christmas morning, are you ready to die? Can you say along with Simeon, I can depart in peace? Don't hear me asking, are you wanting to die? But are you ready? 
I don't see in the text that Simeon was wanting, but I do see for certain that he was ready, that he said he could depart in peace. He had encountered Christ for whom he'd waited his entire life, and he said he could now go in peace. Why? Because he had seen his salvation. Here's a little prophecy for you. For each and every one of us, the Lord has decided that we would not see death before we had encountered Christ. For each and every person in this room, the Lord has decided that we would not see death before we had encountered Christ. How do I know that? Because you're here. And because I'm here. And because he's here and he's being preached. Apparently, you and I uh, won't taste death until we are faced with Christ through the glorious message of the gospel. God has decided that you, yes you, would not taste death without an encounter with Jesus Christ. And that encounter is now. That encounter is now. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. You are being encountered with the truth of Jesus Christ. That Jesus Christ was born of a virgin and came to die on the cross for sinners like you and like me. And that you are a sinner, hell bound and hell deserving just like I am, with no means of escape. But God sent his son, Jesus Christ, through the womb of a virgin that we celebrate today. That if we believe in him... If we place our trust in him and him alone for salvation, we will be saved. That's the glorious gospel. That's what Christmas is all about. And you are, being in, you are encountering that message today. The question is, are you like Simeon? Can you die in peace because you have received the salvation of God through Christ? Or will you encounter Christ today and still taste eternal death in hell? Friend, make no mistake, each and every one of us will taste death. You are going to die. But today is a blessed, blessed day for everyone in this room. For those who believe, we're grateful that when death comes knocking, we'll be present with the Lord. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. But for those who don't believe, you have this chance to cry out to him today celebrating Christmas for the very first time, celebrating the birth of your Savior for the very first time, placing your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, believing that even though you can't afford a lamb, a lamb was provided. And even though you may not be wanting to die, you can go in peace when the Lord has that appointment with death coming. Why? Because he has provided a lamb, once for sinners like you and like me, and trusting that God the Father is satisfied with the payment his son made on the cross, saying along with Simeon, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and for glory to your people, Israel. What about you? I know you're like Mary. I know you can't afford the lamb. But are you like Simeon? That you can say, now I can depart in peace. And if when I ask that question, the answer is no. 
That's not me. I can't have, I, I don't have that. I don't have that peace. I have no peace about that at all. I'm quite frankly petrified. Merry Christmas, Pastor. Thank you. I'm petrified of that day. I don't have any peace about that day. I would invite you to pray with me now that God would save you, that he would give you that gift of faith, and that you would have the peace that comes from Jesus Christ and Christ alone on this Christmas. That it's not a Christmas thing. It has to do with your eternal destiny. Christ died for our sins. Let's bow our heads in a word of prayer. Lord, I come before you now thankful for your provision on my behalf. Thank you for providing a lamb. Thank you for providing payment that I could never afford on my own. Thank you for inviting me to to, to buy, to purchase without price. Thank you for saving my soul. Thank you for giving me the gift of faith. Thank you for calling me out of darkness into your marvelous, marvelous light. Lord, I pray for those here who know you not, whether they're children, whether they're older, single, married, male, female, in a season of prosperity or a season of adversity. Lord, would you speak to their hearts as only you can? Well beyond what I can do in preaching your word. We need you to impact hearts and minds and lives. Lord, I pray that you would cause them to look to you and say, have mercy on me, a sinner. Have mercy on me. I need your grace. Lord, cause them to look to you and say, I am a sinner. I'm bound for hell. I have no means of escape, but I trust in Jesus Christ. I trust that a lamb was provided and that that lamb died once once for a sinner like me and that God the Father was satisfied with his payment. Lord, do that now. Stir hearts now. Stir minds now. And may we have a Merry Christmas not just because of our traditions and because of the fun that we have that we really look forward to and acknowledge are from you but that we have a joyful Merry Christmas because of your Son our Savior, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray, amen.